0: It is Daryl, like you were expecting somebody else, right? Come on, Daryl, with the inside, inside sales show. I still love that one line, probably a year ago, a good friend of mine posted on social media, and he said, Daryl, from the inside, inside sales show, of course, it's, it's text, right? And so you would not read it the way I just said it. And then he puts in brackets, he goes, those who know, know. Meaning, when you read that, you, you would have read it with the way I just said it. And he made me giggle. How are you all doing? I promised you last week I could come back this week. I really, really would. We're doing, um, we're doing a series. For the next four shows, I have wanted to reach out to people specifically who I believe are making a dramatic impact in the sales space with incredible content, wisdom, lessons, advice, guidance. And and it's the kind of people that when you meet them, you go, damn, damn. Wow. Where's this cat? And how do I not know about this cat? I got to follow this cat I got to consume their content how did I not know about this person that's the kind of people these are people who are sharing their content and their wisdom and their and, and, and their, I guess just their knowledge but they don't make self-promotion a priority necessarily they you know they understand promotion they do promotion but it's not all consuming for them they're not on social media 24 hours a day responding to every comment. They're, they're out there, but they're so in demand that they have balance. These are people that you need to know about. So these are the four people. We're going to see the next four weeks. We're going to start off with one today. But before I bring this fine gentleman on the show, I want to share a little story. Last night, I went out for uh, dinner for wings and beers. With uh, an old colleague of mine. Now, when I say an old colleague of mine, this old colleague, as of today, if I'm going to guess, is 28 or 29 years old. We've known each other for four years, and yet I refer to him as an old colleague. He's really, he's literally about the same age as my son. So this guy could be my son, which is really scary. It means I'm freaking old. And um, and this fellow helped me out in the very beginning, back in 20, early 2018, when I started to commit to LinkedIn and just getting my voice out there and building a brand. And, uh, and he was, because I didn't know LinkedIn all that well. You know. I, before that, it was a CV for me. It was a place to get found by recruiters. And he held my hand, he coached me, held me accountable. And he and I worked together And really, he taught me the mechanics of the platform. And then I taught him the importance of knowing your audience and engaging with them and having the right voice and personality and adding value, how to be provocative enough to engage but not so opinionated that you annoy, and making sure that you're always adding value. So, you know, I laugh because this young kid, you know, Four years ago I was maybe 25 years old and he was all about having a polite voice and i'd be like no you got to call shit out when it happens you got to call you got to call out hypocrisy or laziness or missed opportunity because it's affecting your success and he'd be like "Well, oh, you can't do that i'm like you sure as hell can but you, it's how you deliver the message it's still different in sales right If you're in a sales cycle and you're talking to your prospect and your prospect is full of crap, they've got a problem, you've got a solution, you're trying to coach them on it, you're trying to walk them through the process so they have some self-realization, you're trying to establish your value, you're trying to overcome some perceived notions they have that are clearly and patently wrong, you need to push back sometimes, and it's not that you push back being an asshole, but you push back because you're trying to help them succeed, and it's how you push back that matters. It's your style. It's your technique. That's why discovery is so important. So you can use the facts to make sure you guide the conversation. And what was really interesting when we were reflecting last night, one of the things that came back was a couple of things. He said, Daryl, you nailed brand. He goes, I did not understand the importance of brand. I knew the mechanics. I didn't understand brand. He goes, you really taught me that. He goes, and then you taught me the importance of having a clear goal, a clear outcome. You, ha- you had a game plan in mind and you worked towards that patiently because I learned a lot from you. And I said, you know, I learned a lot from you. And then I let him pay the bill. Isn't that nice of me? I let the young guy pay the bill because I'm just generous that way. You see what I'm talking about today is exactly the kind of guy that Tim Kintz is. And we've had him on the show before a long time ago. Tim is the author back in 2020 of a book called Frictionless. And it's called about closing and negotiating with purpose. You got to read the book. It's an amazing book. It's not a book plug, by the way. I've read the book. It's gold. Now, we need to understand here's this. Tim comes from a background of, of, of selling cars. And helping other people become really successful at selling cars. And when you think about that, some people might look at that, oh, a car salesman as as, uh, not a best-in-class sales rep. But the reality is a car salesman probably has better sales skills than 90% of the population out there because they deal with rejection and adversity nonstop, and they're in a commodity marketplace. So if they can't sell value, then you're screwed. He's recently come out. If you know, if the 2020 book was all about the sales rep, right, closing and negotiating with purpose, the 2021 book is called Fearless. So frictionless, fearless. I love his book cover designer. I want to kiss them, whoever they are. And it's about leading and managing unbreakable teams. Now, where have you heard that or seen that unbreakable teams? It's evocative. And since I've become CRO. This book has never become more profound to me in its significance. So that's, uh, that's out this year. You should go check it out. But with that, what I really like about Tim, beyond his talent, is that this cat understands purpose and he understands brand. So I've done blowing smoke up his ass. We'll see what he has to say. Tim, welcome to the show, my friend. Good to be here.
1: <laughs> I like it. Good good intro, man. Good setup. <laughs> I don't know if I could follow that. <laughs> Those
0: words. So I want to talk a little bit. So when we were in the green room before we went live, Tim and I were talking about the importance of brand. Now, why do I say that? So why I say that was because I was talking to my, to Daniel, my producer uh, the other day. And I said, I'm going to be interviewing Tim. I said, I got to get my suit jacket on because Tim always looks like a freaking million bucks. When I see him, he's, he, he dresses for success. Now I don't find Tim ostentatious. I don't find him like he's putting on all the bling to make a statement. But I find him very polished looking, very credible. Now, Tim, I don't want to put words in your word, uh, in your mouth. But what's your take on that whole dress for success? The whole importance of brand, because I and, and how does that relate to the average sales rep?
1: I think you know, dress is. Um, we kind of have this dumbed down mindset. So many people do be casual. Um, kind of unmade ish (laughs) that people think that, well, if I'm more comfortable and casual, customers will be more comfortable and casual. But I look at professionals, and the best professionals I know, they dress a step ahead of everybody else, right? It's look at your audience, look at your customers, and you you should dress out of respect for your customers. Bottom line. If I'm going into a factory, I might not be in a suit and tie. If I'm When I'm holding seminars, I'm wearing a suit and tie and it might be a, it might be a high dollar custom suit. If I'm talking to a bunch of dealers, if I'm going into the dealership working elbow to elbow, shoulder to shoulder with salespeople, I'm going to, I'm going to mirror them. I, I don't want to ever be above people, right? I want to be able to talk with them, not at them. And I don't want to talk up to people. I think that, that it really comes down to. If you look like a pro, act like a pro, sound like a pro, think like a pro, you're going to be a pro, right? And dumbing down wrinkled dockers and a polo, that doesn't make you look like a pro. If I go into Best Buy, the guys in the white shirt, black ties, they're the they're they're the experts. The guys in the blue shirts and tan dockers, they're not the experts. They're just pointing you to the product at that point. So, my biggest belief is I want to dress a step above, not because I'm above my the people I'm training but or selling to, but I need to be the expert. And experts dress for success, man. And just remember, you do it out of respect for your customers. That's the only reason that you want to look like a pro, if that's answering your question.
0: <laughs> so let me let me give a different take on what he's saying, because by the way, I 1,000% agree with him, and I get that feedback regularly all the time when I show up you know, and a, uh, a sport jacket and an open shirt, uh, open uh, colored shirt. I get comments like, wow, like, holy smokes, you look great. And it's not that the important part, the important part you stick away is that they notice before I've ever said a thing, they're reacting. So why does that matter to you as a sales rep? So as a sales rep, you want to take all of the advantages that you can right out of the gate. You want, because every prospect, think about the car sales rep. That person shopping for cars, it's going to hit typically, typically more than one lot. Let's assume they are. So then if they have the same vehicle available from three different lots, who do they buy from? Right? It's a reasonable question. Well, typically they're going to buy from the person with whom they trust most. Secondarily might be the dealership's reputation, your word of mouth. But it's they're buying from that rep. Will that rep be there for me? Do I trust them? Do I feel like I'm getting a good deal? Are they hearing me? Are they listening to me? So if your buyer is going to look at two or three or more vendor offerings, so you're immediately in competition and Everybody else is dressing down, bedish, as Tim said, and you're dressing up out of respect to them. Soon as that video comes on, you've got their attention. You stand out. So let's suppose that you and another vendor, your compete your your competition, have a comparable solution and a comparable price. Where are they going to go? Believe it or not, it could be as simple as the fact that you actually dress for res- success and for respect of your of your buyer that they go with you because they have a better vibe, a better feel. They just feel like you, you're going to be there to serve them because you look the part sounds stupid. Why would you not give yourself that advantage? One of the things that, well, many people don't know, Well, it's this old thing. You never get a, you
1: never get a second chance to make a first impression. Right? You can always improve on it, but you can never, never redo it.
0: There's no mulligans in your first impression. You, you nailed it. Like even with me, you know, simple thing, guys. I have two sets of glasses. I have my on-air glasses, and then I have my working at the desk glasses. All right? And the working at the desk glasses, are not nearly as hip or happening, but they're more comfortable. But as soon as I go on air, I swap glasses. It's an easy thing to do. You know, I put—I have a suit jacket that I put to the side. I'm going to go on air. I put the suit jacket on. So, you know, what do you value more? All right? Do you value that take-home check more in your success and your progress or or not? That's all I would say to you. So that's brand. Um, Tim, we're, we're, we're in Q4. We're pushing for the end of the year. If I'm a sales rep right now and I'm on the edge, I'm not sure I'm going to make it. What's my plan of attack? What do I do to make sure that I finish the year strong? What techniques have you seen work well for you? I think it starts with your mind, right? Your mind has to get right
1: wherever you're at, you might be you may be projected to exceed your your yearly goal, you may be behind. Doesn't matter what, what it is, hell, you may just be flatlining. But it's it's what do you want to accomplish? Number one is we got to put our goals together. Right. You if you shoot at nothing, you'll hit nothing with amazing accuracy. So number one, skills don't matter until you have a target that you're shooting at. So what is, what do you want to accomplish? Right? Have that moonshot. What is the, if everything went perfect, the stars, the moon, everything lined up, what number do you want to hit by the end of the year? And then what's that blood number? What is that number that I'm going to hit? Right? Cause I think, I don't think most people shoot too, too high and miss it. I think most people shoot too low and hit it is the biggest problem. It's the culture of complacency. So it starts with having a purpose. What is your vision? What is that target that you're aiming for? And work your way backwards. Stephen Covey Covey famously said uh, in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People that they begin with the end in mind, right? The second habit. So begin with the end in mind. Where do you want to be at the end of the year? We're in fourth quarter. Man, this is... That's where you step up or you step away. If you can't hack it, grab your jacket, man. This is where you get out there and you make it happen in the final quarter of the game. So what is your target? And then break it down to your plan. And I think the planning part is the hard thing. Because so often we focus on that target. I want to sell X number of units and make X number of dollars. That's great, but that's a lagging indicator. right? That's what happened. What are you going to do to make that happen? The leading indicators. And I think that's the hardest thing in sales. I don't care what you're selling. Really, in anything, even working out, doesn't matter what it is, the hardest thing is to develop that plan, your leading indicators. What are you going to do every day to make sure that you hit your goal? Don't focus on the result. Now i got to focus on hitting my daily numbers. And it's it's not easy, and you have to adapt and adjust, but... You have to plan, right? Most of us don't plan to fail; we fail to plan. So it's putting that plan together and following it. We don't have we don't have ways, right? We don't have a GPS telling us where to go on hitting our goals. If I drive to Orlando with my kids at Thanksgiving, I just plug it into Ways, and it takes me there. That's not how goal setting works. It doesn't tell me when there's going to be roadkill and a cop sitting there with a radar gun up. In goal setting, you have to be able to adapt and adjust. But if you don't have a plan, man, you're just kind of – you're a rudderless ship going wherever the tide and wind pushes you.
0: So what I find so amazing is that advice is kind of – okay, hear me out on this one, Tim. For our audience, that advice is kind of like sales one one. I'm sure every sales manager in the world has told you that. And yet here you are, many of you, in Q4 and – you're having to come to a recognition that maybe you don't have a plan. All right. You're here. One of the things we talk about all the time is self-awareness. It's just the ability to park your ego and say, I'm at where I'm at and all I can do is move forward and make things better. Right? I, I can't change yesterday, but I can change today and I can change tomorrow. So if you're looking at a plan and obviously, we have a diverse audience. You know, we have people selling high tech, we have people in manufacturing, et cetera, who listen to the show. And I'm sure we may even have people selling cars listen to the show. What type of metrics or tactics or activities would you think are critical to being evaluated as part of that plan?
1: I, I think, and maybe this is simplifying it, but I'm a simple guy and less is more that you kind of got to break it into two buckets. You got feed the beast, fuel the future. All right. I have to look at what I got. What do I have to do now to feed the beast? I got to pay bills, got to make money. I need to get results now, but I also need to look at the fuel the future. And, you know, you talked about branding. That's what fuel in the future is, right? Branding and marketing, that doesn't pay back immediately. It's it's space repetition. It's a long-term thing. But I need to work on my skills to close more deals now, whether it's phone skills, whether it's getting better at my digital communication with customers, because I think digital communication is it's, it's undertrained, and I don't think people are as good as they should be. I'm a huge video guy. We, I have a, an app called Pro Video Now where I sent, we send out videos to our customers. We get inquiries, I send them a video, and I get notification, as soon as you open it, it's like bomb bomb, right? But now I know, now I I have to make everything I do interactive, I need to create engagement if I'm gonna feed the beast. I need to know it's working with the customers and get their feedback immediately. But then also building that brand you talked about. What is your brand? What are you doing to keep your name out in front of people? Letting people know who you are, what you do, where you work, and believe it or not, the world we're in now, it's easier than it's ever been. I mean, when we were young getting in sales barrel, how'd you build your brand? There was, You didn't shake hands, hand out business cards, door to door, make cold calls. Now I can build my brand on social. I can, I can do it on YouTube. I can start creating a brand. I can target it. I can do it on Facebook, Instagram, and let people know who I am, what I do, and where I work. So I think it's I need to have that plan every day. What am I going to do to feed the beast? Meaning develop my skills, make my phone calls, all my contacts. And then what am I going to do to fuel my future? Build my brand, market, advertise my business with customers. All
0: right. So I want to talk a bit about that. So build, let's start with the build the brand. Then go back to kind of you know, what am I doing now to feed the beast? Um, one of the biggest comments I get, what I personally get, and maybe Tim, maybe you get this too. I'd be curious is I get the, oh, you do the video or you do the brand building or you do the social media or whatever it is. You, you do it because, because you like it. You do it because you, you get off on the accolades or the visibility you get. Uh, you do it because it's just fun. Um, or you do it because it's easy for you and it's not easy for me. So this is what I hear on a regular basis or you do that, but where's the ROI in that, right? And these are all things I get on a regular basis. And I want to share some of you folks. I don't, I hate this. You're hearing it here. The day I retire is the day I stop posting anything on social media and I will never do another video ever again. And I will not miss it at all. I do it. Because it's in my job and it's incumbent upon me to have a brand to achieve my goals. The same reasons that I dress for success, it's the same reason that if I'm talking to a prospect and my brand is better than the competitor's brand, they're more likely to buy from me. It's the same reason that if my brand brings me new business, unsolicited, it's the cheapest lead I'll ever generate. All right. That's why I do it. So park the excuses or park the accusations. Stop projecting your insecurities upon me. That's why I do the brand. And it is a long haul game. When I started this, I gave myself 18 months before I see any results. I knew that going in. And, you, and it's like, it's the classic case example I heard recently is like a pro sports player, right? They didn't wake up one day and suddenly they were a pro sports player. They practice over and over and over again for years to develop those skills and that reputation before they finally arrived. That's the brand. And you need to do the exact same freaking thing. And I can look at sales. I can point at people like Tim and others of all different ages who, you know, I think of uh, Sarah Brazier at Gong. She's mid-20s at most, and she's had phenomenal success building her brand. She began life as an SDR. Morgan Ingram. SDR, right? They're not exceptions. They're just people who are actually committed to the brand side. So I think you need to be self-aware if this is holding you back. Those are your excuses. I'm sorry for some tough medicine, but let's talk about feed the beast now. So the biggest thing that I find over and but over
1: I want to add, yeah, to go that. ahead. Can I add one thing to building a brand? Building a brand is look. if you don't like doing video tough, do it anyway. Get comfortable doing it. You're on Facebook. You're doing Facebook live. You put pictures of you and video of you on Facebook, Instagram. So it's just bull crap that you're not putting videos out there. It's just cause you haven't done it. Man, don't wait for the perfect time to start doing any of it. Perfection's the enemy of progress. You want to build your brand. You got to start now. You should have started eight years ago building your brand, but with the power of social and getting out in front of people, you're crazy not to do it. And it's easy once you do it. The hardest part's taking that first step. And, and putting it out. And don't be afraid to make mistakes. So what? Ready, fire, aim. We got too many people in sales that it's ready, aim, 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 aim. And they're just never going to pull the trigger, <coughs> pull the trigger, put it out, build that brand. It's there. It's in front of you. Somebody's going to do it. Somebody's got to be number one. Why not you? And it's, it's, Get creative, just have fun. I think that's the number one thing, have fun with it. You can't mess up. What the hell's gonna happen? Somebody gonna say, I didn't like that video? So what, do a different <laughs> one. I, don't take it personal. Who cares? They're everywhere. But it's, whether it's video, I don't care if it's video, whatever it is, it's really just take action, man. Just do it and and have the discipline. Number one fear in life, I get the fear of it. I I don't really like sitting in front of a camera. I won't watch my videos. I never watch my videos. I hate watching myself, but I don't have to watch myself. I'll do it. I know what I'm going to talk about, but just do it. Public speaking is the number one fear in life, right? Most people, we've all heard, would rather be the dead guy in the casket than the one standing up talking about how great the dead guy in the casket was. But the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. And when you get comfortable, man, that's when your job gets easy, when you build a brand. What's going to... It's a noisy world. How are you going to create separation? We live in a three-second world. Go to, when you're on YouTube and that little ad pops up, what's the first thing you're looking for? Skip ad button. Skip ad button. <laughs> Every one of us. How are you going to get them, catch them quick? Communicate with your customers how they, with the message they want to hear. Don't communicate with the message you want to give them. That's when you're going to see the results. We communicate what we think they want to hear. We need to communicate what they want to hear. And it has to be quick, long, drawn-out lead-ins. Those days are over. It's all about that hook in that first three seconds, or you lost them and they're moving on. So it's one thing I just wanted to
0: add on on the branding side of it. So my prediction here is Tame is going to take that little clip when I send him the raw files, and he's going to take that little bit, and he's going to post it because it's all part of building the brand, and it's gold. Um Let's talk about feeding the beast.
1: I won't watch it though. Of
0: course you won't. No, you'll have people <laughs> for that. Um, so <laughs> that's right. When it comes to feeding the beast, these are the two comments I hear. Let I me mean, two comments and one observation. Comment one, because you said you got to perfect the skills. One of the comments you made, you got to improve the skills where you're weak. So comment number one I get I, I hear is that's not how I sell. Let me just sell the way I want to. I know you're trying to make me do it in other ways because you think your ways are better and you're trying to teach me and coach, me. that's not how I sell. Even though clearly if you were having success, your sales manager wouldn't be trying to coach you in a different direction. Number one, number two, I see is. They don't do the activity. They allow themselves to be distracted by a variety of factors. So they actually don't do the prospecting activity required to feed the beast. So those are the two behaviors that I see. And number three, what I observe is nobody's actually, or very few people, very few people are intentionally trying to learn. There Very few people are intentionally buying books, reading them, and applying the lessons to see if they work for them, or watching videos and trying out the suggestions, the tactics, the techniques to see if it works for them because it's either they're too busy, they don't prioritize it, it's not enough work, it's not there, it's not how they work. I don't know. So if I have to feed the beast, Tim, and these, and I have one or more of these symptoms should I just leave sales now or can I be saved?
1: You can. It's up to you, right? Self-discipline. You make that decision. It's, you can really, you know, survival is instinct. Success is a choice. That's it. So every one of us woke up this morning. Success wasn't our instinct. We woke up and said, I need to get something to drink, get something to eat, got to take a leak, right? That's just survival. You have to make the choice to succeed, Nobody's going to make that choice for you. I was reading to my son last night, seven things Tom Brady does every morning before a game. And it was from getting eight hours of sleep to eating high protein, good, all the, what he ate to his stretching. It's the great people have routines and they have successful routines. And every one of our routines is going to be different. I did a podcast yesterday with, uh, with these girls here in Flower Mound, Texas, where I live. And they were asking about, you know, you hear all these motivational speakers and all these these book writers say that you should wake up at five in the morning, that's crack of dawn and do your meditation, then do your yoga and then read a book. And then is, is that what I have to do to be successful? And I don't, Look, I think it's great for the people to do that, but everybody doesn't wake up at five in the morning and have their battery going. Some of us wake up at six in the morning, have to drag our 11 and 12 year olds asses out of bed and and get them stuff to eat. And maybe, maybe your sweet spot is from eight o'clock at night to midnight. I don't know what it is. You find your sweet spot, find when are you most productive and challenge yourself to get better. It's Success is not a demand on life, it's a response to life. You make it happen, watch it happen, or you say what the hell just happened. That's the bottom line. And I believe in today's world, success is the opportunity to succeed greater than it's ever been. I think we have a culture of complacency and people that don't have drive to succeed, I think it's greater than ever. So the good news is if you wanna succeed, if you wanna kick ass, if you wanna be the best of the best, best in class, you have less competition than you ever did. And as far as developing a skill, the challenge is taking knowledge and developing it into a skill, right? Because you've heard salespeople many times in every industry say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, I know that. Well, let me hear you. Let's role play. Let me hear it. Well, I'm better with customers than I am, than I am with you. No, if you suck <laughs> with me, you suck with customers. They just don't know it, right? It's You're not better with the customers. You have to get out of your... Get comfortable being uncomfortable when it comes to developing skills. And when you can do that and realize that, that knowledge is dangerous, skills is priceless, and there is no such thing as job security in today's world. There's only employment security. And when you make yourself a badass salesperson and when you always develop your skill and say, you know, what am I going to do today than I, to be better than I was yesterday? And learn a new script. Look, we all use scripts. I don't care if you want to call them scripts, word tracks. Uh, That's just pole vaulting over rabbit turds when people say they don't like scripts. It's everything we say is the script. If we say the same thing all the time, it's make it yours, right? To develop a skill. Here's what you have to recognize the skill as being effective. Then you, you have to internalize that skill. So you recognize it. Wow, that's cool. I'm going to learn it. Then you got to internalize it, meaning you have to memorize it. You have to make it where it's second nature. Then you customize it. And when I say customize, people think it means changing the words. No. No. It's, it's, it's an example of if Beyonce sings the national anthem and Alan Jackson sings the national anthem, do they sound the same? They sound completely different. But what is the same? It's the words they say is the same. So it's having that discipline to say, I'm going to take that knowledge and develop it into a skill. Whatever that is, it could be digital communication in today's world. It might be face-to-face selling. It might be phone skills. It may be, it may be you texting and learning that. But every day, challenge yourself to get better. Because, man, you know, when you're green, you're growing. And when you're ripe, you're rotten, man. It's that simple.
0: So I want to share a little story. This is what we had, Tim. To I told you. I told you. Tim was awesome, and you need to follow him. All right. You heard it here. Do it while I'm telling my story. Just go freaking do it. Um, in fact, buy his books, fearless and frictionless. Um, I did a podcast recording very recently. And you you just use in your in your little rant there, you said, all right, you know, tell me what you would say. And your, your your response is, well, I'm better with customers. Well, no, you should better do it. Okay. So that literally happened to me. We're on this podcast. It was the end of the podcast and we're wrapping things up. And the person I was talking with said to me, okay, Daryl, let me, I'm going to throw you something I should live in in real time. And I'm like, sure. And he's like, okay, so this podcast was heard by somebody. And now I want you to tell me what your email is go- reads like that you're going to send as a follow up to try to get an appointment. So basically, it's no different than somebody downloaded a piece of content. You know, you you know that they've touched your content on the fly. How are you going to do it? And I'm like, son of a bitch. Now here's the thing. You always keep on freaking learning. Recently I've been giving uh, this session to a variety of people. I've been talking about it online, that I researched myself and it was like five different email structures you could follow, right? There was ADA, which you always, you know, they talked about it was in Glengarry, Glenn Glenn Ross. We always we always know you always say always be closing. But what you forget is the next line in that was ADA, awareness, interest, et cetera. Right. So ada is a format uh akka acca uh, bap but in my mind immediately i went to josh braun with his tttt which was if you don't recall the email format is t is the first line is to trigger them second line is you uh third party reference them then you tell them then you teach them so four lines the email is four lines so in my mind when i'm put on the spot I got TTTT in my mind, and I used that to draft my email up live. Now, was it the world's best email? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. We actually had a discussion on whose email was better, and there was pros and cons to both emails, mine versus theirs, because the, my colleagues did the, same, he, he w- did the same task. So the point was, I did it live. I was challenged, I did it, but I was able to do it because I followed something that I had learned and researched myself. So if this 50 plus year old dude can do it, there sure as hell you can do it. That's all I gotta say. Now, Tim's new book, Fearless. Again, we know that it's about leading and managing an breakable teams. So it's more for the managers versus the, the reps, but every rep wants to be a manager. So you should buy in this book regardless folks. But I wanna point out something, I'm reading the abstract here and, so, and you can do the same thing yourself, but this part was really interesting because think about what we talked about today. The abstract, it says, Tim's leadership quadrant, Provides you with four focus areas to promote strengths and identify weaknesses. And they are leading people, managing sales activities. Let me just talk about that. Training for skills acquisition. Let we just talk about that. Coaching for career development, which is not, I mean, it's, it's, it's on a tangential relational note. That's partly is your brand. Career development. There's more to it than that, obviously. But the whole point is, this is literally what Tim in this book is helping managers do, which is everything we just freaking talked about. So, boys and girls, if you want to really kick this year and bring it home, Tim's giving you the recipe. There's feed the beast, and there's kind of, you know, plan for tomorrow. There's build your long-term brand. So long-term goals and short-term goals. And as he put it, and we're going to end it right here, it's not like you're pole vaulting over rabbit turds. Best <laughs> line of the whole podcast. Tim, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today, my friend. It was, as usual, amazing. Thank you.
1: I love it, man. It was an honor. Thanks for having me.
0: Guys, gals, follow him. Reach out to him. You know it because he's going to change your life. My name is Daryl Proud. This is another episode of the Inside, Inside Sales Show.